All right. Um, welcome everyone to who may be watching this and uh, future beings to come. Um, this is a UK weekly Sangha. We do this every Wednesday. Um, right now, it's uh, me and Beta here. And uh, I thought it might be a good idea to um, pick a sutta to, to run through and uh, read and see what uh, wisdom um, we can gain from it. So I just went to um, the Majjhimanakaya, uh, the middle length discourses. Um, it's a part of the Pali Canon. So the original, um, uh, some of the oldest canon that uh, the teachings of the Buddha uh, has to offer. Um, so the original teachings. And uh, this is the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation. So this is the uh, Majjhimendakaya 5, the Anangana Sutta. And uh, the English translation is without blemishes. Here we go. Thus have I heard on one occasion the Blessed One was living at Savati in Jetta's Grove, Anapindika's Park. There the Venerable Sariputta addressed the bhikkhus thus. Friends, bhikkhus, friend, they replied. The venerable Sariputta said this. And uh, Sariputta, for those who don't know, is uh, the Buddhist uh, chief disciple. So is uh, his star student, um, so to speak. Um, the one who uh, attained to arhatship under the guidance of the Buddha. I think one of the first ones. And uh, it go, he said this, friends, there are four kinds of people found existing in this world. What for? Here's some person with a blemish does not understand it as it actually is thus. I have a blemish in myself. Here's some pe person with a blemish understands it as it actually is thus. I have a blemish in myself. Here's some person with no blemish does not understand it as it actually is thus. I have no blemish in myself. Here's some person with no blemish understands it as it actually is thus. I have no blemish in myself. Herein, the person with a blemish who does not understand it as, as it actually is, I have a blemish in myself is called the inferior of these two persons with a blemish. Herein, the person with a blemish who understands it as it actually is thus, I have a blemish in myself, is called the superior of these two persons with a blemish. Okay, so right off the bat, we have uh, four categories of people. And uh, my interpretation of what the word blemish here means, as it will go on to explain in the sutta, is a, a kind of a taint or a, a hindrance. So a kind of a, a corruption, an inner corruption. So for instance, like uh, some anger, some malice, some ill will, um, those would all be considered a blemish. And uh, right off, sorry, Puta has uh, delineated four categories of people. Um, the first two have blemishes. So they got mad or something. And of the two, one is aware uh, this is unwholesome 
within me and one is not aware of those two people the one that is aware of their inner blemish is superior and uh um of the two people who have no blemish uh the same is true the one is who is aware uh this is wholesome i have no inner blemish is superior to the one who's not aware it has no inner blemish and uh, it'll go on to explain why here herein the person with no blemish who does not understand it as it actually is i have no blemish is called the inferior of these two people with no blemish herein the person with no blemish who understands it as it actually is I have no blemish is called the superior of these two people with no blemish. When this was said, the venerable, and I'm just going to butcher the poly names and stuff because I don't know the pronunciation, but when this was said, the venerable Maha Magalana asked the venerable Sariputta, friend Sariputta, what is the cause and reason why of these two persons with a blemish, one is called the inferior man? and one is called the superior man. What is the cause and reason why of these two persons with no blemish, one is called the inferior man, and one is called the superior man? Herein, friends, when a person with a blemish does not understand it as it actually is, I have a blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will not arouse zeal, make effort, or instigate energy to abandon that blemish. And he will die with lust, hate, and delusion, with a blemish, with mind defiled. Suppose a bronze dish were brought from a shop or a smithy covered with dirt and stains. The owners neither used it nor had it cleaned, but put it away in a dusty corner. Would the bronze dish thus get more defiled and stained later on? Yes, friend. So too, friend, a person with a blemish does not understand it as it actually is. I have a blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will die with mind defiled. So that's, uh, that's pretty profound there. What does that mean? So uh, um, the worst of the four people, the one with a blemish that does not know he has a blemish, because of the ignorance uh, and the uh, lack of awareness of what's going on inside that person. There's not going to be any right effort. So there's not going to be any zeal, any energy that arises to abandon the blemish. So it can be naturally expected that that blemish will proliferate itself and continue on uh, with hate, lust, and delusion, and that person will die with a defiled mind, um, uh, thus continuing uh, the cycle of uh, samsara, as it were. And uh, now we'll get to the next one, next paragraph. Herein, when a person with a blemish understands it as it actually is thus, I have a blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will arouse zeal, make effort, 
and instigate energy to abandon that blemish and that he will die without lust, hate, and delusion, without blemish, with mind undefiled. Suppose a bronze dish were brought from a shop or a smithy covered with dirt and stains, and the owners had it cleaned and did not put it in a dusty corner. Would the bronze dish thus get cleaner and brighter later on? Yes, friend. So too, friend when a person with a blemish understands it as it actually is thus, I have a blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will die with mine undefiled. Okay, so yeah, the first step to uh, cleaning up is uh, becoming aware of the dirt. So you, you, take, you take the blemish, you take the, the, the ill will out of the dusty corner of the repressed, uh, so to speak, attic of your mind, you bring it up into the forefront of your awareness. You understand this is unwholesome. You see it as it actually is. So you become aware of your in inner blemish. This is actually a really good thing. So um, uh, this means that uh, with right effort, um, we don't judge ourselves for this inner taint. We see it as it actually is. Oh, this is dirt. This is unwholesome. Now, the zeal and the energy is aroused in you to clean it up. And you can expect um, with, this, uh, with this insight and wisdom, you will uh, move towards a more wholesome state of mind and uh, be liberated from that inner blemish because uh, you're uh, keeping inventory of what's going on inside of you. And uh, that's the way. And uh, so now we'll get to the latter four. Herein, when a person with no blemish does not understand it as it actually is, I have no blemish in myself. It can be expected he will give attention to the sign of the beautiful. Now, uh, the sign of the beautiful, um, I'm not exactly sure what that means, but I can, uh, I can guess that it means um, you're kind of uh, pulled into the delusion of, 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 uh, of the beauty of being free from a blemish without understanding why or without understanding that um, you're free from a blemish. So you're just experiencing happiness without um, awareness of, of why, uh, because there's no blemish. You don't know that there's no blemish. You're just experiencing um, the fruit of having no blemish. So that's my interpretation, but I might be wrong. Um, that by his doing so, lust will infect his mind. So lust for this experience. Um, and that he will die with lust, hate, and delusion, with a blemish, with mind defiled. Suppose a bronze dish were brought from a shop or a smithy clean and bright, and the owners neither used it nor had it cleaned, but put it in a dusty corner. Um, so the purified mind, you're not 
you don't bring it to the forefront. You don't become aware of it. You just put it back in a dusty corner. Would the bronze dish thus get more defiled and more stained later on? Yes, friends. So too, friends. When a person with no blemish does not understand it as it actually is. I have no blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will die with mind defiled. So it's almost um, exactly the same as the as the first one. Um, so whether you have an inner blemish or not, if you're completely oblivious to what's going on, so there's no right view there. You don't know, you don't know you're free from the hindrances, or you don't know that you have a hindrance. It can be expected that. Uh, uh, the hindrances will not be abandoned in the future or will the current hindrance will not be uh, it will not be sought after to abandon the current one or future ones. Um, and finally, the last one. Herein, when a person with no blemish understands it as it actually is. I have no blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will not give attention to the sign of the beautiful, that by his not doing so, lust will not infect, infect his mind, and that he will die without lust, hate, and delusion, without blemish, with mind undefiled. Suppose a bronze dish were brought from a shop or a smithy clean and bright, and the owners used it and had it cleaned and did not put it in a dusty corner. Would the bronze dish thus get cleaner and brighter later on? Yes, friend. So too, friend. When a person with no blemish understands it as it actually is, I have no blemish in myself. It can be expected that he will die with mind undefiled. This is the cause and reason why of these two persons with a blemish, one is called the inferior man and one is called the superior man. This is the cause and reason why of these two persons with no blemish, one is called the inferior man and one is called the superior man. Blemish, blemish is said, friend, but what is the word blemish a term for? Blemish, friend, is a term for the spheres of evil, unwholesome wishes. It is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, if I commit an offense, let the bhikkhus not know that I have committed an offense. And it is possible that that bhikkhu come to know that that bhikkhu has committed an offense. So he is angry and bitter. The bhikkhus know I have committed an offense. The anger and bitterness are both a blemish. It is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, I have committed an offense. The bhikkhu should admonish me in private, not in the midst of the sangha. And it is possible that the bhikkhus admonish that bhikkhu in the midst of the sangha, not so in private. So he is angry and bitter. The bhikkhus admonished me in the midst of the sangha, not in private. The anger and bitterness are both a blemish. It is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish I have committed an offense. A person who is my equal should admonish me, not a person who is not my equal. And it is possible that 
a person who is not his equal admonishes him, not a person who is his equal. So he is angry and bitter thus. So I think we can all relate to that one, right? So someone, someone you perceive as below you, less intelligent than you, um, finds, a, finds a fault in you or calls you out on something. Um, uh, it may be in a work situation or in your family. Someone who's, uh, who's less developed, less skilled as you, maybe less as mature as you, sees something in you that uh, is a mistake or sees, sees an uh, uh, offense that you have done. And you might be okay with someone who's uh, your superior calling you out on it, but someone who's inferior to you calling you out on it will arouse, for most of us, a lot of anger and bitterness, right? And to understand uh, this anger and bitterness as unwholesome is, is wise. So to see it as a blemish and not see it as righteous anger, not see it as how dare this person, how dare he, right? So we, we, we're coming into a state of wisdom, a state a state of seeing the harm of this, these types of unwholesome states, uh, no matter the cause of the anger, we see simply anger is unwholesome and we understand, oh, I have a blemish here. Let's get rid of it. Right. It is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, oh, that the teacher might teach the Dhamma to the bhikkhus by asking a series of questions of me not some other bhikkhu and it is possible that the teacher teaches the dhamma to the bhikkhus by asking a series of questions of some other bhikkhu not of that bhikkhu so he is angry and bitter thus the teacher teaches the dhamma to the bhikkhus by asking questions to other bhikkhus not me the anger and bitterness are both a blemish it is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish Oh, that the bhikkhus might enter the village for alms putting me in, in the front and not some other bhikkhus. So I'm just going to skim through these. Um, it's, each paragraph starts with the same scenario and says, this causes anger and is a blemish. So, so he wants to be in the front of the sangha on alms around, put in the back, gets angry. That's a blemish. Okay, so wanting... Uh, wanting the glory, wanting the limelight, and uh, jealousy from not getting it. Um, it is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, oh, I might get the best seat, the best water, the best alms food, alms food in the refractory, and he doesn't get it. Oh, that I might get... Uh, that I might give the blessing in the refectory after the meal and not some other bhikkhu. It is possible, oh, I might teach the Dhamma to the bhikkhus, that I might teach the Dhamma to the bhikkhunis, men lay followers, women lay followers. Right? So there's kind of like, there's kind of like this, uh, uh, this selfish intention to teach the Dhamma that may not be from a purely wholesome intention. Hey, Joe, welcome on board. Hey. We're just, uh, we're reading uh, uh, Majjhima Menakaya 
um, without blemishes. So a, a teaching that uh, Sariputta gave um, about four types of people uh, with a blemish that are aware of it, without it, that are aware of it, and both of those that are not aware of it. And uh, which one is, and the ones that are aware of it is better because they'll maintain the wholesome state. And then we're going through all these scenarios now towards the end of the sutta where uh, a blemish might arise. So some anger, some ill will, some bitterness. Um, and then this one that we're talking about right here is, uh, um, it is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, oh, that I might teach the Dhamma to the bhikkhus, men lay followers, women lay followers, uh, visiting the monastery and not some other bhikkhu. And uh, uh, some other bhikkhu teaches the Dhamma and uh, some jealousy, some bitterness arise. Press them together. Um, All right, sorry about that uh, break and flow. I just got a call and uh, ended my uh, call here. So uh, as I was saying, uh, there might be some uh, selfish intents to uh, teach the Dhamma. So want want the glory of, uh, ooh, I'm important, I'm teaching the Dhamma and I'm wise, and someone else teaches the Dhamma. So um, some jealousy, some bitterness may arise there. And uh, that is a blemish. So it's not that uh, that situation in and of itself is is a terrible thing that, oh, I have a blemish. But as earlier discussed in the sutta, what's important here is to see the blemish as a blemish, um, to not to not revel in our anger, to not take to not um, to not take satisfaction in the anger that arises, to see the anger as unwholesome. Because uh, this comes from uh, the wisdom to understand that this anger is uh, very harmful for, for ourselves and others as well. So uh, this anger <laughs> is not good for you. It's going to harm you and it's going to lead to further lust, hatred and defilement. And uh, understanding it as it actually is, oh, a blemish has arisen in me will lead to the right effort to abandon that blemish and um, free yourself from it and purify your own mind and come into a wholesome state, a more enjoyable, a more satisfaction state. Um, and we continue here. It is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, oh, that the bhikkhus, bhikkhunis, men lay followers, women lay followers, might honor, respect, revere, and venerate me, not some other bhikkhu. And it is possible that they honor, respect, and revere some other bhikkhu. It is possible that a bhikkhu here might wish, oh, that I might be the one to get a superior robe, superior alms fruit, superior resting place, superior medicinal uh, requisites, not some other bhikkhu. And uh, some other bhikkhu gets it. So. Um, the anger and the bitterness are both a blemish. So this uh, this 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 particular case um, falls into um, um, one of the eight worldly winds, right? So praise and blame. So that would uh, fall into the category of 
of praise. So um, lusting for uh, worldly acclaim, right? Um, this this is uh, this is going to cause hindrances and unwholesome states to arise because uh, even if you do get it, so um, you let's say you don't get uh, the worldly acclaim and you become jealous and bitter, that's unwholesome. Um, but even if you do get the worldly acclaim and you become uh, you you become arrogant, you become prideful about it, that's going to just increase the delusion of uh, of selfhood, of uh, of uh, uh, lusting for this in particular being being important or above others or somehow. Um, more holy, more righteous, right? Instead of actually on the inside being above others, more holy, more righteous. It's not about it's it's it, it, it's not that you shouldn't seek to be above and more holy and more righteous. But what actually makes you above, more holy, more righteous, is to have no anger and bitterness, to have no jealousy within within yourself, to be equanimous to all these things. And that truly makes you the superior man, as uh, Sariputta was saying earlier. Um, blemish, friend, is a term for the spheres of these evil, unwholesome wishes. If the spheres of these evil, unwholesome wishes are seen and heard to be unabandoned in any bhikkhu, then for all he may be a forest dweller, a frequenter of remote abodes, an alms food eater, a house-to-house -house seeker, a refuse rag wearer, a wearer of rough robes. Still his fellows in the holy life do not honor, respect, revere, and venerate him. Why is that? Because the spheres of these evil, unwholesome wishes are seen and heard to be unabandoned in that venerable one. So, um, this this inner unwholesomeness uh, will seep through and show itself and communicate itself to other people. So um, in the Sangha, people will understand that there is anger and bitterness within this person, whether you understand it or not. So that's why it's important to become aware of these types of things. And I'm just going to, okay, I'm still doing good on battery. Um, okay, so here we go. Suppose a metal bowl were brought from a shop or a smithy clean and bright, and the owners put the carcass of a snake or a dog or a human being in it, and covering it with another bowl went back to the market. Then people seeing it said, what is that you're carrying around like a treasure? Then raising the lid and uncovering it, they looked in, and as soon as they saw they were inspired with such loathing, repugnance, and disgust that even those who were hungry would not want to eat, not to speak of those who were full. So too, if the spheres of these evil, unwholesome wishes are seen and heard to be unabandoned in any bhikkhu, then for all he may be a forest dweller, he may be all these things uh, that a that a noble monk might be. Um, unabandoned, but um, the evil unwholesome wishes are still unabandoned in that venerable one. If the spheres of these evil unwholesome wishes are seen and heard to be 
abandoned in any bhikkhu, then for all he may be a village dweller, an acceptor of invitation, aware of robes given by him by householders. Yet his fellows in the holy life honor, respect, revere, and venerate him. Why is that? Because the spheres of these evil, unwholesome wishes are seen and heard to be abandoned in that venerable one. So here it's making a very good point that uh, applies to all of us who are not monks. So it, it says that even though this person uh, is living in and of the world and uh, is not a noble disciple and is not a has not gone from home life into homelessness. Um, if this person has abandoned these evil, unwholesome states, he will be revered and uh, honorable and worthy of respect. This person uh, uh, will be understood to be noble by those other nobles. So um, this is a way of saying real, recognize real, right? Um, and it takes one to know one. So this this can be applied to whatever outer circumstances you may be in. Um, so this is important for people to understand that the Dhamma and the Noble Dhamma and Nibbana is for everyone. I think that's one of the main messages uh, Buddha Dasa, uh, Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa was uh, communicating there with uh, his teachings, is that uh, Nibbana is for everyone, um, no matter if you have a family or you're a monk. Okay. Suppose the metal bowl were brought from a shop or a smithy clean and bright, and the owners put clean boiled rice and various soups and sauces into it, and covering it with another bowl, went back into the market. Then people seeing it said, what is that you're carrying around like a treasure? Then raising the lid and uncovering it, um, they looked in, and as soon as they saw, they were inspired with such liking, appetite, and relish that even those who were full would want to eat, not to speak of those who were hungry. So too, friend, if the spheres of these evil, unwholesome wishes are seen and heard to be abandoned in any bhikkhu, then for all he may be a village dweller, um, and he's understood to have abandoned these states these unwholesome wishes. When this was said, the Venerable Maha Moggallana said to the Venerable Sariputta, a simile occurs to me, friend Sariputta, date it Moggallana. On one occasion, friend, I was living at the hill fort at Rajagaha. Then when it was morning, I dressed and taking my bowl and outer robe, I went into Rajagaja for alms. Now on that occasion, Samiti, the Cartwright's son, was planning a fellow and, uh, forgive me for pronunciation, Ajivaka Panduputa, son of a former Cartwright, was standing by. Then this thought arose in Ajivaka Panduputa's mind. Oh, that this Samiti, the Cartwright's son, might claim this bend, this twist, this fault out of the fellow so that it would be without bends, twists, or faults, and come to consist purely of heartwood. And just as this thought came to pass his mind, so did Samiti, the Cartwright's son, claim the bend, 
that twist, that fault out of the fellow. And uh, this fellow is spelled F-E-L-L-O-E. So I'm not exactly sure what that means, but um, maybe uh, someone is uh, fixing something. It's called a fellow um, that was twisted and bended. Um, then the Ajivaka Panduputta, son of former Cartwright, was glad and he voiced his gladness thus. He plains just as if he knew my heart with his heart. So too, friend, there are persons who are faithless and have gone forth from home life into home homelessness, not out of faith, but seeking a livelihood, who are fraudulent, deceitful, treacherous, haughty, hollow, personally vain, rough-tongued, loose-spoken, unguarded in their sense faculties, immoderate in eating, undevoted to wakefulness, uncovered in recluseship, not greatly respectful of training, luxurious, careless, leaders in backsliding, neglectful of seclusion, lazy, wanting in energy, unmindful, not fully aware, unconcentrated, with straying minds, devoid of wisdom, drivelers. The venerable Sariputta with his discourse on the Dhamma planes out their faults just as if he knew my heart with his heart. All right, so this uh, this is pointing out that uh, uh, many who become monks, uh, especially in the culture where it's popular, um, might do it for the wrong reasons, um, simply to seek a livelihood, not for uh, out of faith in uh, the Dhamma, not out of uh, faith in the Four Noble Truths and, and the teachings of the Buddha. Um, and uh, faith here is kind of like a beginner uh, thing that uh, before you see the fruit of the Dhamma for yourself, um, it is kind of important to some extent to have faith in it, to try it to begin with. Um, but once you uh, see the fruit of Dhamma for yourself, this, uh, this faith is a uh, um, seem to be unnecessary in a more advanced uh, disciple. So. And I continue, but there are clansmen who have gone forth out of faith from the home life into homelessness, who are not fraudulent, deceitful, treacherous, haughty, hollow. And if you want to interrupt at any time, go, go for it. Um, okay, there are Clansmen who have gone forth out of faith from the home life into homeless, who are not fraudulent, deceitful, treacherous, haughty, hollow, personally vain, rough-tongued, or loose-spoken, who are guarded in their sense faculties, moderate in eating, devoted to wakefulness, concerned with recluseship, greatly respectful of training, not luxurious or careless, who are keen to avoid backsliding, leaders in seclusion, energetic, resolute, established in mindfulness, fully aware, concentrated, with unified minds, possessing wisdom, not dribblers. These, on hearing the venerable Sariputta's discourse on the Dhamma, drink it in, eat it in, eat it in, as it were, by word and thought. Good indeed it is that he makes his fellows in the holy life emerge from the unwholesome and establish themselves in the wholesome. Just as a woman or a man 
young, youthful, fond of adornments, with head bathed, having received a garland of lotuses, jasmine, or roses, take it in with both hands and place it on the head. So too, there are clansmen who have gone forth out of faith, not drivelers. These on hearing the venerable Sariputta's discourses on the Dhamma, drink it in, eat it in, as it were, by word and thought, good indeed. It is that he makes his fellows in the holy life emerge from the unwholesome and establish themselves in the wholesome. Thus it was these two great beings rejoiced in each other's good works. Right, so uh, um, that's pretty powerful right there. That uh, these, uh, this noble Dhamma uh, is received um, with great uh, appreciation and great uh, um, really taken word for word, line by line and given thought to it because because of the profundity of the message. So um, they can see the utility in themselves. So if someone is um, becomes aware of their inner unwholesome evil state and they hear this message and this person is uh, uh, a disciple in the Dhamma and uh, practicing the Dhamma, they will see this as a very good thing. Ah, there is a blemish in me and it inspires zeal, inspires mindfulness, inspires um, energy to abandon that blemish. And they understand that it's really about coming out of um, a state of dukkha into a state of um, satisfaction. So um, realizing that you have inner unwholesome states is, uh, is good news because that's what gets you out of it. So this message is truly for the good of all those who are seeking their own uh, freedom and their own um, um, liberation from suffering for the good of themselves and everyone. Um, so with that, that concludes the sutta. Um, if you have any thoughts or comments, like you, you want to talk about it at all, please. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Which which sutta was it again? Um, I, it's like number. It's it's in the very beginning. It's like uh, without blemishes. It's like number five. Yeah, the Majjhima okay. five, five. Yeah. I thought I thought your comments about the faith thing was was interesting because I think I think that can be a, a misinterpretation when people come from like a, a Catholic or a Christian cool. background because exactly. it, it's so different in in Buddhism. Right. Um, yeah. So f having faith is like a cornerstone, um, um, cornerstone like doctrine of Christian religions, and it's kind of like an ignorant faith. So it's a faith out of not seeing the fruit of it for yourself, but uh, taking someone else's word for it because he's wearing a big hat and he tells you that you're gonna go, you're gonna burn in a fiery hell if you don't. So um, this is a more direct message to see that you are already burning in a fiery hell um, with these evil, unwholesome wishes within yourself. And here's the way out. So having faith 
in the way out of the fiery hell that you're already in. And then seeing the truth of, uh, of coming into a wholesome state through the teaching of the Dhamma or coming into heaven right now, not in some uh, afterlife. So uh, that's kind of the difference in the faith is that one is more, um, it's, it's blind faith and one is faith based off, like for instance, I have faith that this math teacher can teach me math. I have to have some amount of faith in order to study under this teacher. And uh, it's kind of different than uh, a kind of religious faith. So I learned math and uh, I see for myself that I learned this thing. Um, but in the beginning, right, I have to ha have some amount of faith that this person knows what they're talking about. And uh, that faith kind of comes from, um, in the sutta it mentioned, uh, my heart sees your heart or like my heart communicates clearly with your heart. So you see that this person is uh, has abandoned uh, evil, unwholesome states. It's just clear to see this person is free of ill will. And uh, that's what tells you that this person knows what they're talking about. And that's what makes this person honorable and worthy of respect or noble. So that's what an arhat is. That's why I, use, I see, um, I, I uh, listen to Damarado and I see that this person is free from an unwholesome state, whether I would put it like that in my mind at the time or not. I see that this person is talking from a place of, of, uh, of well-being and uh, of sincere sin sincerity for uh, the good of others. So he's sincerely um, teaching the Dhamma freely for the happiness and well-being of others, um, not out of. Uh, not out of lust for being honor, like gaining some sort of like worldly acclaim for it, but just because out of out of the goodness of his inner state, um, rippling out um, to others. So, yeah, yeah. The the beginning of the sutta, the. Um, it's really practical, like in terms of practice approach. Um, Sariputta um, categorizes four um, types of people. Um, I know it's funny, like there's only four types of people and then it has these bracket categories. The first two have a blemish. So have an unwholesome state. One is aware of it, one's not. And it says the one that is aware of it is superior to the one who's not aware of it. Because the one who's not aware of it is like putting a, a dirty bowl in a dusty corner. It's just going to get more dirty. And that person will uh, likely die with a defiled mind. Whereas the one that is aware of it will inspire um, zeal to to come out of it, to wakey-wakey out of this anger. Oh, this is anger. This is unwholesome. And no matter... So like... You may be experiencing unwholesome thought, unwholesome thought. If you know each of these is unwholesome, eventually you will get to something. Ah, this is wholesome. So this is unwholesome, unwholesome, hindrance, hindrance, hindrance. No, but this is wholesome. This is uh, this is different than uh, the anger uh, and all the all the other bitterness that was before it. But if you're 
just oblivious to these things going on inside of you. Um, you don't know unwholesome as unwholesome and you don't know wholesome and as wholesome. It's like a, it's like a bowl being put in the dusty attic. So you're not going to either maintain it if it is wholesome or seek to come out of it. Is it, if it is unwholesome. So, uh, uh, very simply put, um, just having the mindfulness or the wakefulness to to be honest with yourself and look and see uh, uh, this is unwholesome or this is wholesome um, uh, rather than judging yourself for it being unwholesome, which is more unwholesome. It's um, if you understood the practice correctly, understood the sutta correctly, it inspires zeal and uh right efforts and uh and uh almost kind of like an excitement about haha i got it and now this is my chance out this is the way out and uh it's like uh it's like a inner game of chess like you're 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 um, coming into a wholesome state of mind because you're catching the unwholesome state of mind that is popping up inside of you rather than going all the way down the rabbit hole of that unwholesome state and then having it uh, clearly seen by others. So you want to catch these things before it seeps out into the world and other people can see, ooh, that guy's angry. What's that dude's problem, right? That guy just snapped at a, at a, at a minimum wage worker and he just yelled at them. And everyone standing around is just looking at you like, something seriously wrong with this dude and this dude has issues so that's what happens if you don't become aware of this uh inner bitterness before it uh it proliferates and uh spreads like a cancer and then eventually um infects your entire being until you're getting mad at people that have nothing to do with with it or nothing to do with the original source of the anger and then let's say it does get that far and you do get mad at people, how quickly can you realize, oh, this is unwholesome? Because that's going to determine how how much better you can wake up out of it and prevent it to begin with. And uh, um, so um, I, I had a talk with Domerado who had an interesting way of talking about uh, um, Sotapan, Sakadagami, Anagami, and Arhat is that um, the sotapan uh, will get angry inside, will sit, uh, speak the anger, be angry about seven more times. So say about seven more angry things or do seven more angry things before waking up to it and realizing, oh, I'm angry. This is unwholesome. Wakey, wakey, come out of it and then coming into a wholesome state again. So the... The idea is that the Sotapanna will be reborn seven more times before um, um, attaining knowledge, final knowledge. But the uh, practical teaching that Damarado gave me is that um, the Sotapanna will just be ignorantly repeating the unwholesome pattern about seven more times before finally understanding what's going on. And, uh, but, uh, seven understanding it seven more times is a whole lot better than the completely ignorant 
that go on for the rest of their life or for when until they end up in prison or something like that or they or they uh, traumatize their kids because they're alcoholic or something like that so seven more times is a whole lot better than not at all so this is why the sotapan is a still a tremendous upgrade and uh and then the the sakadagami will get mad on the inside say say expletive expletive or do an angry thing and then realize it at once so does it one time wakes up out of it so that's the once returner so it returns one time to this uh unwholesome state or this unwholesome action and then snips it in the bud right then and there um and then the anagami will be get angry on the inside and shut his mouth right then and there because he sees it as unwholesome. So he catches it on the inside. So this is like a dependent origination thing. He catches it at a, at a lower level of the dependent origination of this unwholesome state before it gets out. So he sees it, he gets angry on the inside. And on the inside, he's like, I'm angry. I'm going to shut my mouth. I'm not going to say anything. This is unwholesome. So that's the anagami. So the never, uh, the never return. Um, and then the arhat uh, sees it before it even develops into anger. So the arhat steps out of the way of it like a kung fu master before it can even um, uh, develop into an angry state. So he sees it at the point of liking or not liking. He sees it at the point of not liking. Like oh, this or the situation is a haha. You missed me. I the, like someone cuts you off and you're like, you could tell that you're about to get angry, but nope, not going to do it. <laughs> Just keep smiling on. So the Arhat like is wise to it and anticipates it like kind of like ultra instinct uh, Goku. So he steps out of the way of it before he knows he knows what's coming before it even comes. Um, and this is a skill. This isn't like a Domerado was teaching it to me. It's not like you become an arhat and you magically now you never get angry uh, because your baseline was shifted, as most Westerners think. No, you just develop such a quick wittedness and quick awareness and skillfulness that you have the ability to step out of the way of these things before um, they develop. So this is a very different um, understanding of being an arhat than magically now you never will get angry no you're just so skillful that you can step out of the way of anger before it happens what about other emotions like perhaps sadness um sadness is kind of like it's a really vague word so sadness could mean a lot of different things depending on uh the person's inner inner state and uh, what's actually going on. So it's kind of not as easily categorizable as something like anger or bitterness. Whereas I can say right off the bat, anger is unwholesome. Everyone knows what anger is. And we can obviously say that falls under the category of ill will. Whereas uh, sadness, it could mean different things, right? It could mean sloth and torpor, certainly. It could mean, uh, it could mean some sort of craving some sort of wanting it could mean some sort of delusion or it could just be a, a natural 
Um, like what if it what if it's more of just like uh, you know you've had a sad like a sad event happen in your life and and you're feeling feeling sad like sometimes I just I just notice this and I don't I don't really know where I'm like is this unwholesome or is it not because this is actually kind of like a sad thing that's going on and I feel I feel okay I'm like smiling but I'm like you know I I feel sad about this like it's kind of confusing. Yeah. So um, the question you have to ask yourself is is um this sadness a delusion or not so um the difference is if someone's telling you um someone's telling you about how their um, only son committed suicide and they're telling you this story and they're um, taking refuge in in and telling you you're going to feel sadness in that moment that is completely um wise and that's completely appropriate but if you're ruminating about something that isn't there, something that may have happened in the past and you're bringing it up, you're deluding yourself into feeling sad, um, that would be uh, unwholesome because this is not, so you're repeating the comma of that event by bringing it up out of, out of, no, out of nothing when it's not there, when it's, this moment is completely fine as it is. Um, so maybe, maybe even with the example that you gave, maybe like even if you had repeated it later to somebody else, then that potentially could also be still unwholesome, right? Because you're just bringing something up again and you're like, oh, I heard this story from some, and you know that you're kind of making yourself sad again when it's not really necessary because the, the event kind of passed. Right. Um, that's definitely uh, not necessary. So if you're sitting with someone uh, or with other people who experienced uh, maybe trauma in the past, the best thing to do with these people is to talk about something completely different and to change the mind state that's going on. So we don't need to talk about things that happened in the past. We can be here now and we can appreciate and we can see wholesomeness in this moment. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, the, this video I watched recently where um, this kid, uh, he's kind of like drowning in the ocean and uh, he got separated from his dad. I don't know, maybe they're um, paddle boarding or kayaking or something, but this guy comes by in his boat to save him and uh, he's like, grab on. And he grabs on and the kid is in a really um, fearful state and he's like, I need my dad. Where's my dad? Where's my dad? And then what he does is he just starts asking the kid questions like, <coughs> like, oh, how old are you? And like, just changing the topic, like, oh, uh, uh, he's like, I don't know how old. he's like, oh, you don't know how old you are. Like, that's kind of funny. And like, just ch- changing the subject. And then all of a sudden, this kid is like answering like a normal, happy little kid, even though he was just about to drown. Because mm. this guy was wise enough to change the subject get him talking about something else, talking about something completely neutral and completely fine and wholesome because the kid is okay. He's saving him right then and there. Um, he's not drowning anymore. And he just totally changed uh, the way the kid was feeling. And that's very easy to do with a kid because a kid will a kid will go from throwing a tantrum to happy in an instant because they, they are malleable in that way. And you can, you can change the, uh, the mind like that. And, uh, but people um, aren't that different from um, children um, because these 
oftentimes these unwholesome states, these trauma states, these uh, fearful states are um, the childlike centers of, of uh, our internal family system. So this is the inner child um, coming to the forefront. And uh, the inner child can be dealt with as a real child and uh, consoled like that and uh, taken into a wholesome state of mind. Um, so yeah, it, it is a good point you bring up on whether sadness is wholesome or unwholesome. I think it depends. It totally depends on the moment. Is it appropriate or is it ruminating? It is the sadness um, in intrinsic quality of the moment, or is it something that we're digging up or bringing up unnecessarily? All right. Well, I feel great from talking to you. So, <laughs> oh, man, like, I'm I'm glad you came. Uh, it's good to talk about. Um, it's good to talk with the Sangha. You know, it, it never fails to uh, brighten my mood. Um, I, I think I liked uh, what we did this week. Um, it was just me and Veda in the beginning. So uh, I just picked a sutta and I just started reading it and going through each of the points. And uh, I think it, it, it will make for a good video, um, even though there's not uh, much dialogue going on. And uh, it, it creates good dialogue rather than sitting sitting there and uh, waiting for a topic to arise. Uh, um, us people who are not monks, you know, it might be some uh, usefulness to actually go through the suttas and uh, find some of uh, the ones that we haven't heard about and see what wisdom we can gain from it. So, um, well, we're, you, so you mentioned there were four, four states in that one. You were saying two that had blemishes and, and two that didn't have blemishes. What were the, the other, because you, you mentioned the two with blemishes, but what were the other two? Oh, yeah. So the one with no blemish who is uh, not aware that there is no blemish and the one who with no blemish who is aware that there is no blemish. And of the two, the one who is aware there is no blemish is the superior man. And uh, that's because the one who has no blemish, who is not aware um, that he has no blemish, will be experiencing happiness or the fruit of having no blemish without knowing why. So he won't seek to maintain this state. He won't. He will lust for. He will lust for the PT or the sukha, and uh, like a bowl, clean bowl put in a dusty corner. If you don't use it, if you don't maintain it, it's going to get dirty. And uh, uh, it's said that this person is likely to die with mind defiled because he's not aware that he had no blemish. So it's almost the same as having a blemish and not being aware of it. Not having a blemish and not being aware of it is the same because um, the right effort won't be inspired in that person to uh, to keep it going or to see that I have no blemish, to see that uh, I am in a wholesome state. So the person with no blemish who is aware I have no blemish um, is like a is like a bowl that's clean that keeps being used, keeps being repeatedly washed like a bronze bowl. It's polished and continually washed. Even though you keep using it, you keep polishing it and washing it, it's likely to just get cleaner and cleaner because it's a bronze bowl. So uh, similar, someone who has no blemish and is a, 
this is a completely in the forefront of their awareness that they're ha are in a wholesome state of mind. So knowing when you're in a wholesome state, when you actually are in a wholesome state is what gives you more access to a wholesome state because you know exactly um, you know exactly the cause and the condition. So you know exactly uh, the dependent origination of the wholesome state because you're aware that um, there's no uh, there's no uh, evil unwholesome states present here. So secluded from unwholesome states. Um, it's it's the same as saying that a person with no blemish um, that person is in first jhana. Um, and to be aware that you are in first jhana means that you are likely to continue and you're likely to die with mind undefiled. So that is the way to Nibbana and kind of the way out of the repetitive cycle of samsara or the, the birth and death. Um, so would, would the person who has no blemishes and is not aware, would it be like somebody who's just super blissed out, but they don't know how they got there or they don't know, like they don't even, they're not even aware that even, it's dependently originated? Yes, even the most ignorant people are happy sometimes. Not <laughs> that even the most um, deluded people have experienced moments of happiness. Uh, it's just that they have no um, insight or wisdom as to why and that they are actually happy in that moment. It'll pass them by and they'll forget about it and they'll be back in hindrances before they know it. Um, because they have no awareness of kind of like the inner state of themselves and they don't know this causes this they don't know this they don't know this angry thought causes this this uh hellish dukkha this uh this continual dissatisfaction and uh and alternative to that they don't know the absence of no unwholesome thought, the absence of no angry mind state, the absence of no unwholesome wishes results in uh, uh, purified minds, a wholesome state, um, satisfaction, peace, tranquility, equanimity. Energy too, um, like uh, zeal and uh, and uh, tirelessness so when you, you when you're not spending all this energy on unwholesome wishes and uh loathing and uh disparagement and rumination you're gonna have a lot of energy left over <laughs> so it's a uh, quite uh liberating in that sense that you you feel kind of you feel alive okay you have all this childlike uh joy and a childlike wonder that uh you know really uh it's a uh, you don't really need coffee i still drink caffeine but like um it, it wakes you up you know yeah, yeah i find that like when i really get on a roll like talking about dhamma that like energy yeah just yeah it just it just goes i, I noticed this that my parents were just visiting and uh they asked me a couple of times about practice or something and like, and as soon as they asked me, they got like a two hour, like just spiel of like me explaining, you know? <laughs> you can just keep going and going. Yep. Yeah. That, that's exactly the energy that it's talking about. Yeah. Certainly. 
Oh, wonderful. All right. Well, yeah, thanks, man. I think that's I appreciate a good sharing. Yeah, thanks for coming. Yeah. This have, has been... have a nice night or have a nice day there. <laughs> yeah, the, the call got cut off. So I think it's been going for like probably an hour and a half now. So okay. uh, it was good to see you. And, yeah, good uh, to see you, buddy. Have a good one.